0: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BDW, avoid, prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: Your uterus is the home for your baby for nine months, then actively pushes a baby out to be born. How much do you really know about this amazing organ? I'm Dr. Kamali, a board-certified OBGYN, and today we're continuing the series on your changing pregnant body. This is Preggy Pals.
4: Welcome to Preggy Pals, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. Preggy Pals is your weekly online, on the go support group for expecting parents, or even if you're not pregnant but you want to be pregnant, go ahead and go to our website, www.preggypals.com, and learn up on all of our pregnancy topics, birth topics, anything that you want to know. I'm your host, Annie Laird. Thanks to all of our loyal listeners who have joined the Pragy Palace Club. Our members get special episodes. After each new show, there's bonus content you can listen to, plus special giveaways and discounts. See the website for more information. Another way for you to stay connected is by downloading our free Preggy Pals app. Now, thanks to a listener who uh, chimed in on our website, it's also available on the Windows Marketplace. We've been saying for weeks and weeks and weeks that it's available on the Android and iTunes Marketplaces, which it is, uh, but it's also available on the Windows Marketplace. So. Uh, whatever platform you're using for your phone, you can go ahead and download that. It's absolutely free. So when you're going around town, you're waiting at your OB's office for your appointment, or you're pushing your older toddler, or in Sonny's case, your three other kids or four <laughs> other kids around uh, in the stroller, in the multi-stroller, um, you know, you can listen and catch up on all of our topics and all of our episodes. Now, Sam, our producer, she's going to be giving us some more information about our virtual panelist program.
3: Thanks, Annie. So if you don't live in San Diego, but you'd like to be a panelist on our show, you can still participate through our virtual panelist program. Just like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter using hashtag preggypalsvp. And also know you can follow us on Instagram at newmommymedia and check out the hashtag preggypals. We'll post questions throughout the week prior to our taping, and we'd love for you to comment so we can incorporate your thoughts into our episode. You can also submit your questions directly to our experts. Learn more about our VP program through the community section on our website, www.prayypals.com.
4: Great. Thanks, Sam. All right, well, let's go around the horn here and introduce ourselves. I'm Annie. I'm the host. Uh, I don't have a due date. I have three little girls, and uh, they are eight and almost two and uh, six months old. So I am a busy mom. This is my break right now. So I'm, I'm having a great time. I'm like eating my lunch. Like there's I have, no kids
2: around. I, I have use of both my
4: hands. I know. Like what are these things? <laughs> well, they're, not, they're not holding children right now. So awesome. I'm
3: Samantha. I'm 22. I'm a mostly stay-at-home mom besides being a producer at Preggy Pals. I have one 18-month-old daughter named Olivia, and I currently don't have a due date, although I wish that I did. I had an unplanned cesarean with her, and I'm hoping for a VBAC next time
4: around. See, you always say, I wish I did, but then, like, they're going <laughs> to go by, like, and our listeners are going to listen to these episodes on our website, uh-huh. like, a year from now and be like... She's still not pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) God, she's only 22. That's sure taking a long time.
2: (laughs) I know, right? Oh, hey, everyone. I'm Sunny. Um, I am the owner of New Mommy Media, which produces Preggy Pals, Parent Savers, The Boob Group, and Twin Talks. And I am joining as a panelist today, because I love to talk about my uterus. It has been through a lot. <laughs> I have four children at home. Um, you have a super uterus. <laughs> <laughs> I have two boys and two girls. My boys, my oldest is almost four. Um, my middle guy just turned two. And then I've, I have identical twin girls, um, who are will be six months tomorrow. I know. Crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny because I see
4: the po- the pictures that you post on Facebook uh-huh. of your girls. And I, I just, I still think of them when they, because they, they don't come in, in the studio anymore. Cause yeah, it's kind of hard, yeah. you know, when, when your kids are really little, it's easy to bring yeah. them in the studio here. And they were so little when they were, and it was like <laughs> under 10 pounds, which isn't really in my comprehension because my kids come out at 10 pounds. Right, right. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're, they're growing big. They they're are. eating
2: like crazy. And they are. They're doing really good. And I love the little earrings that you put oh, on yeah, them. to They tell them got their ears pierced. And it's, it's nice because they're, like I said, they're identical and even, even I was having a hard time telling them apart. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it was nice because just, you know, a few weeks ago we got their ears pierced. in so cute. One has blue earrings and oh, the other has pink. Perfect. So now everybody can kind of tell them apart. It's like <laughs> genius. So.
4: Yeah. Cause I'm not really big into ear piercing for little kids, but you know what? I think if I had identical twin girls, <laughs> easy.
2: <laughs> exactly. No I brainer for me. Yeah,
4: exactly. I'd be, I don't know how much my, my home birth midwife would be feeling about that. I'd be able, (laughs) Uh, Like, really? Can we wait a couple? No. Uh,
2: No. Right away. (laughs) (laughs) Out of the birth canal. Snip. Well, yeah, because you
4: had you had the yeah. hospital band on for a while, yeah, and you and said was, there wasn't there a period of time where like the hospital band wasn't on anymore, and you were like, oh, crap.
2: well, first of all, those hospital bands they're really hard, and you know, yeah. they, and just newborn, and they were preemies, and I just didn't want to keep the bands on them, so we started to do like ribbons, like different colored ribbons around their wrist, and I, I did the that. Ribbon fell off at one yeah, point. Yeah, it did. I was I was changing the twins, and you know, it fell off, and then I had two babies without any wristbands, and I went, oh my gosh. So so for a few days, I really didn't know who was who until we got them in to see their pediatrician and weighed them. And one had always been just a little bit more than the other. Yeah. Now, now I can tell them apart, believe it or not. But my husband still has a hard time and, uh, you know, other people that don't there's really know. There's an identical him. set of twins in
4: uh, my youngest daughter's daycare. Oh, and, really? Yeah, I can't tell the difference. But I guess she says one of their ears is a little bit different yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So
2: it's like moms always know that there's little nuances. But yeah. still, yeah. that's tough. That's tough. Yeah.
4: For our featured segment today, we're going to be talking about a news article that just came out uh, just recently. That had the title of the article is, Tennessee just became the first state that will jail pregnant women for their pregnancy outcomes. which uh, I think it's a little interesting. I think pregnancy outcomes, I think, oh, did you have a vaginal birth or did you have a cesarean birth? You know, But that's <laughs> not what they're talking about here. They're talking about uh, that Tennessee became the first state in the nation that if you, as a pregnant woman... Are uh, taking um, drugs? Now these are illegal drugs, illicit drugs. We're not talking about uh, you know something that your doctor prescribes you. Um, that you as a pregnant woman can be get charged with criminal assault if you lo- use these illegal drugs during pregnancy and the fetus or the newborn is harmed as a result. Um, so a lot of controversy about this. Um, you know, is it okay to, you know, and I guess it goes into, is it, uh, are you kind of with the, the, the mom here? You know, that she's free to do what she wants to do? Or are you kind of with the baby or both? I mean, it's, it's a really tough thing. One really affects the other. So, um, Causing a lot of controversy, but uh, American Medical Association, American Academy of Pediatrics, American College of Obstetrician and Gynecologists, uh, other major medical associations—they're um, a little bit concerned. They're—they're they're warning the uh, Tennessee legislature that by criminalizing pregnant women, it's discouraging them from seeking prenatal care, um, which, you know, maybe would would help them get off these drugs or even getting off, you know, drug treatment. Um, So maybe they they would be taking the drugs even longer because they know they're going to be criminalized. I mean, what do you guys think about this?
3: I think it's interesting that in a way, when you tell a woman, you know, if an outcome is going to become The certain way after you deliver, I think it almost takes away a woman's autonomy because you do have the right to do with what you want with your own body. But again, you don't have the right to harm other people in that choice. Mm -hmm. So I think it's interesting. It kind of is a double edged sword it's tough
4: yeah it's
1: a bit of a slippery slope also because then you know would you say alcohol use during pregnancy is a criminal activity because in some ways theoretically you can harm the baby if you overconsume, right. and then you know and then you just basically go go from there uh, but it, it also it, it already happens where, um, you know, I cover the hospital every Monday for patients that are drop-in, meaning that they don't have any prenatal care and they just walk into the hospital, and you know, and we routinely do a urine drug screen on those patients, you know, because they don't have any prenatal care, and we just want to make sure we know as much about them as possible, and, you know, I would say somewhere around 1 in 10 of those patients come back positive for methamphetamines or, you know, marijuana or, you know, other drugs, so um, it, it does happen that patients that, you know, they have insurance, so it's not an insurance issue it's just that they don't get prenatal care because they don't want to be told not to use or not to right uh, yeah
4: Yeah, and I guess another thing that the the article brings up is saying that only two in Tennessee that there's 177 addiction treatment facilities but only two of them um, allow the older children to stay with their mothers when they're undergoing treatment so that really makes things hard you're telling women you know hey you can you you won't be you won't be criminalized you know go and get the help you need but if you got a two year old the and, and, you know, dad is either not in the picture or he's working, then that really ties these mothers' hands. You know, how how do they get the treatment and the help they need? But you're telling them on one hand you're going to go to jail, go get treatment, but there's not the facilities for them to go and realistically get that treatment. I
1: wonder how much they're intending on enforcing it, or is it just a yeah, threat to, just a threat. Um, yeah, just, you know, if you don't stop using this, you know, you're going to go to jail. So, yeah, you know, yeah, but I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting, though. Mm-hmm.
4: Right, today on Preggy Palace, we're continuing our series on your changing pregnant body. So if you remember, we did an episode, uh, it was all about the placenta. So now today we're going to be focusing on the uterus. Joining us today is our expert is Dr. Kamali. He's a board certified OBGYN. He mainly practices at Sharp Chula Vista Medical Center. Is that right, Dr. Kamali? That's correct. All right. And uh, he just finished up last year as the chairman of the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology. So spending more time with your kids. That's great. That's awesome. Dr. Kamali, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me.
4: All right. Well, to start off this interview, let's talk about, like, what is a uterus? Like, where is it in the body? Uh,
1: Uh, um, Uterus is located in a woman's pelvis. Um, It... um, it's, it consists of two parts. the The top of um, it actually is shaped like a pear. The top of the uh, the uterus or the fundus basically is attached to the fallopian tubes and uh, and attached um, um, in proximity to the ovaries. The bottom of the uh, um, the pear or the uterus is basically the cervix, which is attached to the vagina. Right.
4: All right. So so it's in in the woman's pelvis. And um, so what is the the purpose of the uterus?
1: Okay. Um, the, uh, um, the 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 the. The purpose of the uterus is uh, is basically it's an incubator for the baby. So um, during um, from the time of uh, conception, where um, the uh, the egg and the, uh, sperm meet in the fallopian tubes, they travel and uh, the actual pregnancy implants itself in the uterus. And uh, through the uh, um, the ensuing nine to ten months, the um, the pregnancy, um, the nourishment, the placental attachment to the uterus basically um, helps the, uh, the 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 growing baby uh, develop.
4: So it's the baby's home, and then it's to the delivery system exactly. as well. Yeah.
1: Like we say, womb service. Womb service. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's
4: get started. So today we're talking about the uterus. So when the pregnancy starts, how small is the uterus? It, does it depend on the size of the woman?
1: Um, yes and no. But, uh, you know, the, uh, the the best way to um, to think about it is just actually the size of a woman's fist so um, or size of an orange, basically. So that's how it that's starts. That's pretty off. small. It is pretty small. Wow. Most of us, uh, you know, when we think about a uterus, we think about a, a gravid uterus or a pregnant uterus, which is, you know, a lot bigger. Yeah. It's like a the size baby. of watermelon. Absolutely. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, it starts off that small. Yeah. yeah.
4: No, if a woman gains too much weight. So, what what is the the normal weight gain for like a re- regular pregnant woman? Um, would you say about twenty to twenty
1: five pounds? Okay. Uh, Do you see that often? <laughs> I was like, time I, time I get it's not me. No. <laughs> no, well,
2: you had twins, so it's a little bit. different. Yeah, it was so. not me with my either. <laughs>
1: <laughs> in Europe. Yeah. Right. In In Japan. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. <laughs>
4: So the pregnancy weight gain, does that have an uh, effect of how big the uterus is going to be? Uh, for
1: most parts, no. I mean, okay. they, the, the size of the baby, um, you know, the uterus basically accommodates the the, the pregnancy and the baby. So um, the pregnancy weight gain increase uh, sometimes can affect the baby's weight. Mm-hmm. And then and, uh, um, in turn, that increases the size of the uterus. But it doesn't actually directly make the uterus bigger. It just if the baby is bigger, then the uterus expands to accommodate the baby.
4: So it, does the uterus actually like have cells that, that grow or does it just get thi- like it's really small? And kind of thick it, it, and then it exactly. just like thins out. Is that how it exactly?
1: Works? Kind okay. of like a balloon, if you think about just blowing ah. up a balloon. So initially, it's kind of small, but then when you blow it, it just kind of uh, stretches out a little bit. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah.
4: yeah. Oh, okay. Is the uterus, is it one muscle or is it several muscles that work uh, in conjunction with each other? Um,
1: yes and no. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but both of those. It's a, it's, a, it's a type of muscle called smooth muscle, which is a little bit different than our, um, you know, for example, skeletal muscles. Yeah, like your biceps. bicep or something. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, okay. So they're all basically a group of cells that are stacked on top of each other and um, and they work together. So they, you know, they contract as one unit. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so it's a group of cells that are just kind of stacked on top of each other.
4: No, with the smooth muscle, correct me if I'm Wrong That works uh, involuntarily, basically. Absolutely. So, yeah, you don't have to think about having a contraction. Exactly. Although I'm sure you know many of our <laughs> listeners, you know, that have had a baby before probably wish they could kind of will away the it. contraction. Yeah, right. So. That is always kind of hard. So when you're giving birth, of like, oh, you know, I just wish this contraction would go away, but unfortunately, that's what brings the baby. So. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So Sam, how many uh, how many hours were you in labor with Olivia? I was in labor for 29 hours. Yeah. Although it was plenty of contractions, though <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: um, although it was medically induced, so there mm-hmm. was many more steps to it, and many much of it I did not feel. So not yeah. as not as horrid as. It may seem.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Because you had epidural. So right. it sounds like your epidural worked well. So. Yeah, it did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, how does something like a, a drug like Pitocin that's used for, for a lot of women, they need to get augmented or induced. So how does the Pitocin, how does that affect the, the muscle of the uterus? Okay.
1: Uh, well, Pitocin is a is a drug that's similar to a, um, a hormone that our b- own body produces, um, which is oxytocin. So um, you know uh, when time comes, and we really don't understand a lot about what brings on labor. But when um, when that happens, it's um, kind of odd, isn't it? Yeah. Of like here we are in this technological you know? age, and Absolutely. all of a sudden
4: the uterus starts contracting. We have no <laughs> idea what the catalyst is. Exactly. I mean, yeah. we know
1: that it's a communication between a baby's uh, you know baby's body and the, the pl- you know the, through the placenta and the the mom's body. But yeah, we don't know. A lot about all the mm-hmm. biochemical markers um, but in any case yeah the uh, our body produces oxytocin and the pitocin is similar to that oxytocin it stimulates um, you know the the uterine contraction by um, stimulating electric signal that basically goes through the uh, smooth those smooth muscles and makes them contract
4: oh, okay yeah. now is the cervix is that part of the uterus as well
1: absolutely so okay. the the actual uterus um, is completely of two parts it's actually the the body of the uterus or the uterine cor- corpus and then the, um, the, the 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 cervix which is again part of the the uterus um, and it's just basically a cylindrical um, um, shape uh, part of the uterus basically bottom part oh, okay. Yeah.
4: Uh we've talked on VBAC uh several times. So um the last episode that we did on VBAC, I can't remember, uh it must have only been a couple of months ago. We touched a bit on uh, uterine rupture. Sure. Now, so how common is something like that? How often have you seen that in your practice?
1: Um I've uh luckily only seen it once in the last 9 years, so that's that's good. Yeah. But part of that is also because um you know, VBAC is You know, again, there's a pendulum that swings back and forth, and we're starting to see it a lot more. Uh, But, you know, VBAC was discouraged, uh, and a lot of patients, you know, they're uh, concerned or scared about the, the possible uh, poor outcome, so mm-hmm. they you know shied away from VBAC, and also the convenience of C-section. Unfortunately, some of our patients just like the convenience of being able to schedule their C-section, their repeat C-section, mm-hmm. or they went through a difficult you know first pregnancy and ended up with a labor and the C-section, so they just wanted to you know um, go in and have a C-section. Pre- Could be home. predictable, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, so, but again, like I said, the pendulum is, uh, is is swinging, and now we're doing a lot more VBAC. Right, it sounds um, like
4: when you end Entered in practice, what nine years ago, yeah. that it wasn't kind of a thing, right? And, yeah, absolutely. So,
1: yeah. Um, and then, and then also in our community, um, you know, because the, you know the hospital has a very strict criteria, and they're trying to, and that that was um, partially. Um, dictated by, you know, some of the, uh, you know, the ACOGs and all the different uh, um, um, agencies. Um, the, the hospital had strict criteria on, you know, what the physician had to do or where to be or what medication to use. And so, um, you know, a lot of physicians didn't offer that also. So that also was a um, little obstacle uh, but in any case yeah we've. Uh, it, it's not that common but the incidence in literature is about 1% um, of patients that attempt a TOLAC which stands for trial of labor after C-section okay. 1% yeah. of those patients end up with a um, uterine rupture and again it also depends on the, the, the type of incision on the uterus itself so um, and it T- incision on the uterus is different than incision on the skin. So a patient can have a bikini cut on their skin, but on the uterus, they can have an up and down, what's called a vertical incision. And uh. those have a significantly higher risk of uh, uterine rupture, the, the uterus opening up. So uh, that's somewhere about 4 to 9%, depending on which study you look at. So mm-hmm. that's a, a lot higher. So patient, if a patient has had a vertical incision, uh, most of the time they're discouraged from trying a... Uh, um, a Toe-lack. Be- or lack toe-lac
4: Yeah. Issue. Okay. Now, are most ruptures, are they catastrophic or do they... Uh, do most of them uh, in the literature that it's like they try a vaginal birth, or try a trial of labor, but it's not working. Okay, let's go in for the cesarean. And then there's a a little bit of a a separation.
1: Well, so um, uterine rupture, by definition, is when all the layers of the uterus um, basically are disrupted or open up. So that includes, so the uterus is made up of three layers, the muscle tissue, which we talked about, the lining of the uterus called endometrium, and then there's a little thin layer called the serosa on top. Mm -hmm. Um, If all those open up um, at the side of this Scar, then that's called a uterine rupture. The baby, um, a lot of times, either some part of the bo- uh, baby's body, depending on how big the uh, the, the the opening is, uh, comes out, or actually the whole baby sometimes floats around in the abdomen. Um, so, um, if that happens, which is you know complete uterine rupture, um, and the baby comes out, and sometimes the placenta separates, then that can be um, you know pretty dangerous both for mom and the baby because a mom can start hemorrhaging, and then the baby doesn't get oxygen for that certain uh, period of time. Um, luckily, when that happens. It usually happens in labor when a patient's already in hospital. I was going to
4: say, how can you tell as an obstetrician what's going on with the uterus? Obviously, there's no x-ray machine saying, oh, I think there's a rupture about to happen (laughs) here. Absolutely. So,
1: um, if a patient does not have an epidural, it's accompanied uh, by severe pain Mm -hmm. in the abdomen, but sometimes the epidural masks that, so we don't know that. Um, But also, during labor, patients are connected to the uh, fetal heart monitor, Um, so uh, the baby's heart rate uh, will, will drop what's called bradycardia or the baby's heart rate goes down so that's one sign another sign is uh, severe bleeding from below because sometimes you see a lot of bleeding mm-hmm. and then um, and then another sign is that a baby's head that you know that we used to be able to examine and was right there in the pelvis or you know during cervical exam all of a sudden is no longer there so we examine where'd you know, he go there's, there's no so <laughs> yeah. those are some of the signs but you also have a low index of suspicion so if any of those things happen you know on a patient with V back then you're you know you're quicker to kind of act yeah. but um, luckily what when it does happen, it happens in a hospital, and most hospitals have, um, you know, emergency um, C-section or emergency intervention um, um, drills set in place. Where, you know, for example, at our hospital and most uh, sharps, but at Sharp Chula Vista, you know, uh, from a time that there's a deceleration, whether it has to do with VBAC or any other emergency to the delivery, uh, we get it done in less than 10 minutes. Basically, move the patient from their um, their birthing room to the operating room, give them anesthesia, get their um, belly prepped, and then get the baby out within oh, less than 10 minutes. Yeah, so, and
4: you'll probably be talking general anesthesia at this point, right?
1: Yes and no, um, you, most, for most parts, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes patients have really uh, good working epidurals, so sometimes while they're getting prepped, they, can get, um, get, they can get a quick up. dose, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but most often, yes, general, because you're trying to get this done as quick as possible. Okay, yeah,
4: yeah great. Well, when we come back, we're going to be discussing more about the uterus, about actually what happens during the birth process with it. We'll be right back Today we're talking about your changing pregnant body and today focusing all about the uterus. So Dr. Kamali, I saw some friend uh some pictures from a friend C-section recently and, and uh the photographer was actually allowed in the OR. It was really kind of cool. It really I think it's up to the anesthesiologist and, really more yeah, right. than anything else. So, but anyway, so the um the doctor actually took the uterus out of the body. Right. Uh so is that is that common?
1: So yeah, after the uh, uh the baby's born, um, a lot of times we take out the uterus out of the body just because it helps um uh, Helps us repair or uh, reapproximate the uh, the, uh, the incision on the uterus um, a lot easier. And then while we're doing that, we actually you know look at the ovaries and um, kind of look inside just to make sure there's no other pathology. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it allows us to kind of do everything a little easier. It does sound a little weird. Yeah, so say you Sam, you, you, you said
4: <laughs> you said oh I didn't
3: so know to do it. Yeah, I was not awake during my C-section. So in a small small little bit a little bit of ignorance is bliss in this case <laughs> 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 other things i want to know a hundred percent but that i could do without
1: and that's interesting because uh, i forget what it's called there's a term for it but um, they're um, advocating having drapes that are uh, transparent so the mom can see oh know, like family friendly yes. cesarean there yeah. you go exactly right. yeah so you can actually see the uh, um, and then some patients you know really don't want to see because mm. you know there's you know you know, blood and fluid and all that stuff. Yeah. Instruments, you know, you we know, do moving around and stuff. So a lot of people don't want to see any of that, but yeah. some some do. So um, yeah, you know, I don't know. I think
4: if I it was me, I think you know, if I have a fourth pregnancy and it's determined that a C section is needed, I I don't know. I think I'd want to... Cr- I wanted, I would. I, th- I know I would want to see the baby born. Okay. Definitely. But then once I have my baby. Then I'm thinking I the opaque the <laughs> opaque drapes would be awesome, really. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see that, Absolutely. you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, I,
1: I usually just ask the um you know the the can person. You, can you the have company, them lower the drapes? Uh, yeah, well what I do is uh you know, they, they actually the father or the whoever's with the the patient stands up and if they want to film the baby actually coming out of the uterus and mm-hmm. you know the first cry and all that stuff, you know, they get to film that if they want or oh, take pictures awesome. of it. And then um and I also just kind of you know put the baby yeah. over the drapes so the mm-hmm. mom can see it. That's heart wrenching <laughs> stuff. <It's>, uh, <laughs> Sunday, Sunday,
4: posted that video of your twins being born uh-huh. and like of course I was at like work at my government computer <laughs> watching this birth video like oh no no mind I'll just put in my headphones and I was uh, bawling uh, oh my gosh that, that was uh, just yeah. so beautiful
2: yeah well so I've had two cesareans and so technically speaking my uterus has been out from my body twice <laughs> and um, actually babies. what was interesting though is the first time I had a cesarean with my son um, they had told me I, I started you know they tell you you know when you're having a C-section if you feel any discomfort or you're nervous about anything just let us know talk to us and so there was someone up by my head as they were kind of stitching me up and stuff and I said I'm starting to feel a lot of it feels like pressure on my chest and it was explained to me and hopefully hopefully Dr. Kamali you can kind of shed some light on this but if if the uterus is higher than your heart, something about the blood flow or something—I mean, it really felt like someone was sitting on my chest—and um, and and then they said, "just just bear, you know, bear with us, bear with us. It's because your uterus is higher than your heart." And I'm thinking, mm. "Oh my god, that means my uterus <laughs> is out of my body." <laughs> 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 and so and here I am, just having this casual conversation. Um, and um, but then once they fixed it up and everything, th- then the pain went away. But have you heard of that? Before? Well, no. It,
1: I, I think uh, it probably had to do with not necessarily actually the location of it but it's just that when we take out the uterus especially if you had twins mm-hmm. um uterus is a little bit chunkier yeah. so um and it took it out you know and they're holding it it was probably just kind of pushing right on your sternum or around that area of is it your, heavy
2: how much well, well
1: it that plus the uh they're we're kind of pull it a little bit to give it a little traction so that we can suture it oh. and then so the assistant's hands are probably there holding it too so mm-hmm. that also all together could just kind of put a little bit of pressure on your on your chest so we yeah. we hear that commonly that that patients feel a little pressure on their yeah. chest when you do that. Yeah. I,
2: I didn't have it with the girls. I just okay. had it. I had it uh, with my first C section. I th- and I was waiting for that pressure because it was right. very uncomfortable. Yeah. So I was waiting for that, and yeah. I didn't get it at all with the okay. girls. Fuck so. you, Right yeah. now, right? Yeah.
1: And sometimes we don't take out the uterus. I mean, you know, depending on what the uh, what you know the environment looks like, sometimes we just suture right inside the um, mm-hmm. right inside the abdomen. So it sort of depends on the physician also. Hmm.
4: Yeah. So after the baby's born, then you have you know lokia for you know hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully a week, but usually I uh, like my. I, I had Lokia for like. Lo-kia. Wait, what is Lokia?
2: Yeah,
1: yeah Lokia is the uh, endometrial um, layer, basically after the pregnancy. Endometrium is actually the lining of the uterus. Okay. So let's start with that. And um, and uh, during pregnancy, the uh, lining of the uterus basically has uh, become thicker to be able to support the pregnancy and attach to the uh, the placenta. So once the placenta is delivered, um, all that extra lining, um, uh, your uterus basically tries to let all that ex- uh, to shed all that extra lining. Um, um and uh, and slowly that 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 um, that that fluid and the the uh, the extra blood and uh, the cells um, are shed and that usually happens the first uh twenty four to forty eight hours there's different types of lokia um there's lokia lo- uh, rubra, which is uh red and red brown kind of wine colored and that's the first twenty four to forty eight hours after that it becomes uh, a little bit kind of uh um uh, lighter or whitish and uh, and uh, um, and then it becomes kind of watery so over the next 4 to 6 weeks you will have some sort of a but the 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 red and uh, and wine color red is the first forty eight hours. Oh, okay. Yeah. So
4: it sounds like the first forty eight hours that's the lining of the uterus, that's then. Right. and after that, is it where is it kind of the the placenta wound kind of healing up, or is it still the lining of the uterus? It's yeah, it's the lining of the
1: uterus, but the bleeding itself sometimes is from those little vessels that were connecting the uterus to your um to, to the placenta, mm-hmm. and when the placenta detaches, all those little blood vessels are all of a sudden just kind of uh, um detached, and your body's uh quite Regulation system tries to you know stop the bleeding and close up those vessels and also the contraction of the, the the uterus also helps with that so some of the bleeding is from you know from those little vessels while they're trying to heal up and close up um, they, you, you will have some bleeding okay and then it depends on when you stop breastfeeding or if you're planning on breastfeeding hopefully you are um, you know then that also helps with the uh, um, with the uh, the bleeding
4: well let's talk about that so after the birth the, and this was uh, my second birth the, the nurse pressed on something fierce so I got <laughs> on the top of my uterus and I just it hurt a lot Absolutely. so I mean why why was she doing that is that something common like a common standard of practice that they do that sure. like pummel on your well, pummel <laughs> on your I would have been like rocky you know just like
1: well man, usually I, we try to do no harm so <laughs> we <we're just, laughs> so try not to hurt you but <laughs> um, but no what it is is uh, they're checking to see if your uterus is contracting and so um, we, we talked about the uterus being as big as a watermelon towards the end of the uh, the pregnancy Also, it doesn't stay like that it effort. doesn't stay no yeah. so as soon as the baby comes out then all of a sudden, those little smooth muscles that we are talking about, all of a sudden they start contracting, and uh, the uterus uh, is, uh, start the process of involution, which is when it tries to shrink back to the regular, you know, size of your fist or yeah. the orange size. So, um, so it starts right after the birth of the child, and when that those muscles start contracting, the uterus will become very firm, as hard as a rock, um, and it's even harder than when your uterus was contracting. Um, and the purpose of that is basically, um, as we talked about, those little blood vessels. Once the placenta detaches, those Blood vessels need to um, to contract and close down, or or else you're going to be bleeding. So um, so that those con- that contraction is very important. So the nurse is basically checking to make sure your uterus is contracting adequately and um, and, uh, and also sometimes your uterus accumulates some clots inside, and when they press on it, those clots come out. So sometimes it's hidden, so you don't know the patient's bleeding. But when you push on it, all the clots come out, then you know the patient's well, you bleeding. You don't want
4: that hanging around in your exactly. uterus. Yeah, right. yeah. Now, Sam, I think we had a uh, question online about this, didn't we, something related to this? Yes, so Stacy was asking, so I'd be interested to know how it changes after pregnancy, too.
3: How long does it take to go back down to regular size? Does it ever go back 100%? Or are there things about it that change after carrying a baby?
1: Sure. Um, so it takes up to about six weeks for it to completely go back to normal size. Um, by um, by immediately after birth, the uterus is around the area of the umbilicus, so it shrinks down um, significantly right away. And then, so um, basically,
4: by your like belly button. Belly button. Then. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Right.
1: And then uh, within about forty-eight to seventy-two hours, and sometimes as long as a week, it's halfway. You know between your belly button and the pubic bone, um, the, uh, the, the line there. And then by, um, by about four weeks it's, it's in your pelvis again and then it just shrinks down by six weeks down um does it ever go back 100 percent to the same size probably not but you know we don't really understand much about all that stuff you know why the women's shoe size change you know with different pregnancy, <laughs> why does the uterus not but uh I, you know the, the, the thinking is uh when it you know those muscles stretch sometimes they don't 100 percent go back to, to you know to the exact same size but they get pretty close to the, the, the size it was before the pregnancy. Okay. Yeah.
4: Well, thanks, Dr. Kamali, for sure. joining us today. Absolutely. For more information about Dr. Kamali and his practice, as well as information about any of us on the panel today, visit the episode page on our website. This conversation continues for members of our Preggy Pals Club. After the show, our expert will be discussing bicornuate uteruses and what that means for your pregnancy if you have one. To join our club, visit our website, www.preggypals.com.
0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. group. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18
4: plus. Got a pregnancy oops story. Funny story here from Jessica from New York. She writes, I caught my husband trying on my belly band. He said he was going to get a watermelon and strap it to himself for a little while to experience a fraction of what I'm going through. I told him I would purposely give him food poisoning to feel morning sickness as well as kick him in the genitals to make it feel more real if he wanted. He didn't. He gets a good hubby award for trying to see what it felt like, though, and I didn't ask him to. Love that guy. If you got your own pregnancy oops, you can share it on our Facebook page or call our voicemail at 619-866-4775. That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to Preggy Pals. Don't forget to check out our sister shows, Parent Savers, for parents with newborns, infants, and toddlers, Twin Talks, for parents of multiples, and our show, The Boob Group, for moms who breastfeed their babies. Next week, we'll be continuing our series on hiring your care provider. What is a postpartum doula, and how do you go about interviewing one? This is Preggy Pals, your pregnancy, your way. This has been a New Mommy Media Production. and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider.
2: New Mommy Media is expanding our lineup of shows for new and expecting parents. If you have an idea for a new series, or if you're a business or organization interested in joining our network of shows through a co-branded podcast, visit newmommymedia.com.